Slick Podcast Control calling the Exchequer. Are you receiving? Slick Control calling the Exchequer. Are you receiving? Over. This is Captain John Marshall from the Deep Space Cruiser Exchequer. Receiving you loud and clear. Good to hear your voice, Captain. For some reason I've not been able to send or receive any comms from outside of our planet. What's your current status? Over. As close as you can get right now. Captain Marshall, is there a problem? Slick control. What's with all the satellites? These were not here when we left. Captain, a lot has changed since you left. And due to what you've just related, none of it good. How long have you been away? 38 months and 3 days, sir. Captain Marshall. Time is short. I need to ask you, have you been successful in the mission the Slick Podcast requested of you? Affirmative. We have tracked and successfully acquired the Black Knight satellite as you requested. But with all these others barring our way, we will need to plow the road to remove them first to enable the redeployment of the acquisition. Do you see as necessary, Captain? My podcast needs more listeners and subscribers. This is priority one. Move that space junk out of the way. Roger that, split control. Understood. More subscribers than coverage needed. Charging and locking the main forward batteries now. Beginning removal. Exchequer out. Roger, roger. Understood. Good luck. You have tuned in for a sleep podcast. I'm here to seek the truth Live from Scotland around the UK The one and only Slick Podcast Enjoy the show Can I ask important questions? No matter how bizarre The truth might be Tune in for Slick Podcast Keeping it real, keeping it groovy Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, or a very good day to you when and wherever you're listening from, and a very warm welcome to the show. I'm your host, Simon Laurie King. Coming up on today's show, what are dreams? Are they the ramblings of an unsettled mind? Maybe, as some have suggested, uh, they are just our digestion moving chemicals around the body whilst we sleep. I'd say these hypotheticals have some bearing but from my own journey and experiences of that strange timeless land uh, we call dreams, uh, certainly not all. My personal faith tells me that as humans, dreams are a link to a divine communication. No, this is not a religious flag waving in any way. It has nothing to do with religion. For me, it's a statement of fact and an unshakable part of what it is to be alive. And I cannot describe something so fantastic any other way. It's apparent when certain dreams come they are nothing to do with my digestion or that previous day's influences. They are only explained as coming from something or somewhere else. So described by me as divine, in my opinion that is. My guest on this week's show is Michael Sheridan. Michael is Ireland's favourite dream expert. He was a regular on the Hashtag One TV talk show in Ireland. 
Ireland AM, as well as a regular on Ireland's most popular radio shows, including The Inbox on 98FM. In his presentations, he has shared the stage with movie stars at, such as Paddy McMahon and Frank Vinson. He's appeared on the BBC and countless other premier media outlets, interpreting dreams for his ever-growing wide and diverse audience from every walk of life. He is the author of two books, which we will touch upon later in this show, as well as a radio host with his own show on KKNW, titled So You Think You're Awake. Michael now lives in Seattle in the USA and also runs the Dream Interpretation podcast, which I can thoroughly recommend, available on all the usual platforms. Michael's passion is to see people become all they came here to be and to live their life to its fullest potential. He does this by interpreting those dreams. He can give clear direction on your life's purpose, reveal the gifts that you brought with you to help achieve that purpose, and uncover the blocks you need to overcome, and thus then step in to the alignment. Michael is all about helping people and has been dedicated to the subject of dreams since the mid-90s. Can we cover this huge subject in one episode? Probably not, but we will certainly explore all we can with the time we have. So without further delay, it's my absolute pleasure to welcome Michael Sheridan to the show. Thanks for having me, Simon. Let's get the ball rolling on this one. Um, Michael, tell us a little bit about yourself and what it is you do and what led you to investigate dreams more closely than most of us and dedicating, as you do now, uh, professionally, most of your time and energy to this massive subject. So, um, well, I, I live in Seattle. I'm from Dublin, Ireland. Uh, moved to Seattle uh, 10 years ago, but I spent five years in America before. Um, and, you know, actually having an accent here helps me. Americans love accents. I think they're pretty unique that way. But uh, what got me into dreams? It's actually, it was actually um, kind of a coincidence. I, a friend of mine visited this guy and he, he had a regression and he had the most amazing experience. And he called me up and he said, uh, Michael, you were in it you have to go for aggression with this guy. So I call up and I was like, okay, how do I book an appointment? And the guy says, well, regression isn't uh, for fun. It's, it's part of a therapy. And so I had to say, I would, I agree to work on myself if I went and got a regression and all that. And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, this is crazy. I come Stuart didn't have to do this. So I go and I do the thing. And uh, he tells me that he had this dream course that was coming up. If I wanted to do it, I told my sister, I was a really long way of getting around to this. I didn't really want to do it. And uh, she did. And my reluctance made us miss the first week. She didn't want to do it on her own. And she dragged me along. And it was the best thing I ever did in my life. I, I submitted a dream. Um, really, I went there to ridicule and uh, just poke holes in everything they were doing, because that was my normal nature at the time. And I handed one of my dreams in, and it was interpreted anonymously in the group. And they described me to a T. It was stunning beyond belief. How they didn't know it was my dream, I don't know, because my job was on the floor. And it it didn't just describe uh, good things about me. It was like warts and all were on display. And I had been searching for what the meaning of life was for about a year and a half at that stage. I never found it. And I realized, oh, my God, my dreams are it. All this time that I've been searching, my dreams have all the answers. And I mistakenly thought, that the people in the group who interpreted it had learned that much in one week. And I'm like, I got to play catch up. 
but it, that wasn't true. Somebody, the person who interpreted my dream had done the courses, his courses many years before and was coming back for a refresher. But a lot of things conspired to make me realize the value of dreams. But that was basically it. And I threw myself into it, learned a lot about myself. I did every course this guy would would uh, teach. And then even more, I even uh, went into partnership with him. Um, we worked together for years. And I just, I couldn't believe how much our dreams tell us about our lives and why we're here and what we're meant to be doing. And that most of us are oblivious to the messages of those dreams. Because you were on um, some of the most popular radio stations uh, in Ireland, I believe it was the Inbox 98 FM uh, television. Yes. And I'm, I'm guessing uh, listeners would bring up with their dreams and you would have to, uh, well, no, not cold read, that's the wrong way to put it. Um, you would have to do your best job to interpret. That was, that was early days before you moved to America. Just talk us a little bit about that, please. So, yeah, it, it was weird. Um, I, when I, we went into partnership, uh, I gave it the, com- I decided to give it a name rather than Michael Sheridan. I, I called it Ashling Dream Interpretation. And Ashling is the Irish word for dream. And because I picked that, because I gave it a name, when I was uh, doing a, uh, an exhibition in the RDS in Dublin uh, later that year, uh, the TV station, uh, RTE in Ireland, phoned me up and asked, would I go on air with Jerry Ryan? And he was really popular, one of the best, one of the most popular broadcasters on the radio. Um, and he had a show on the TV as well. And, and just doors opened like that all the time for me. Um, it was bizarre, not just because of the name, but just, you know, there, there's 200 or 300 exhibitors at this uh, exhibition. And I kept getting picked. And I did a show on uh, 98FM, like premier station in Dublin. And they, it, it, I was on for two hours, meant to be a 15-minute uh, segment. I was on for two hours. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic. The phones lit up like a Christmas tree. And the DJ, he was really, really good. He was giving me tips about how to stay calm and cool and, and not panic uh, like just by the fact that you've been interviewed and all that sort of stuff. And I've used what he's taught me so much over the years, but they asked me to come back. And uh, so for years, uh, for a very long time, I was on that show every two weeks. Um, and then I also got a gig on another radio station, um, FM 104, another big popular one. And I was on with them for years too. Uh, and it just, just happened. I was even on the BBC uh, a few times um, just because I do dreams and everybody dreams I guess it's a it's a subject that a lot of people are interested in I do remember that first show I ever did uh, one guy called up and he was like livid that I would just say flat out about people's dreams what they were saying and what it meant about them and what they needed to do to work on themselves and this guy was just beyond himself and uh, really, really mad. And the DJ persuaded him to uh, to share two of his dreams. He's like, well, if you think he's full of it, give Michael two of your dreams. The DJ's name was Aidan Cooney, by the way. Uh, hat, hat tip to him. But he, uh, he persuaded him and he gave me a dream and I analyzed it. And he says, okay, that does describe me to a T. And then I, he gave me another one and, and he just completely turned around and I talked to many people afterwards. They said that because of that, because of uh, addressing this guy who was like screaming at me, 
and then him agreeing that the analysis works, um, it just switched them on to me. So it was, it was cool. Is there, maybe jumping ahead a little bit and we'll go back, was there a common theme back then for a collective of people, let's say 20 people rung up, as opposed to now? Is it, is it, do, in other words, do our dreams reflect um, the society around us? Uh, and so could you did you have a theme back then with those people years and years ago in Ireland and a theme I know now? what you're saying, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, here's the way it works. Um, you know, I've done thousands of, of radio shows and the, the segments were typically a half hour to an hour each. And generally what would happen is the first person would, first few people would get on the line and their dreams would all be different because they haven't heard anything on the show yet. And when I say, somebody would phone in and say, I dreamt of, of my son who passed over. Then other people who had similar dreams would remember them and they would phone in. So it would tend to be whatever you opened up with, with the first few dreams would often set the tone for the show. Um, because it would spark it in other people, but but not really. There was no common thing. There are certainly common dreams, and I have on my website a list of ten of the most common dreams, and sixty percent of us have had at least one of those dreams. And I often do it in my classes. I say, okay, here's the most common hands up who's had one of these dreams, and everybody puts a hand up. So there definitely are common dreams, but the interpretation and the impact and what they mean about your life is going to be very personal. Um, you know, take being chased is a very common dream. And uh, it's about something in your past because anything behind you in a dream is about your past. And uh, something in your past you're trying to avoid is going to catch up with you. And you really need to turn around and look at it, work on it and, and heal whatever that is. It's almost always something from childhood, maybe how mom or dad uh, treated you or reacted to your arrival on the planet. Um, so that would be really common. Another really common one would be being naked in a dream. And uh, a lot of people hate those dreams because it's like they suddenly realize, gosh, I'm in the middle of town or I'm in class and I'm naked. But it's a really good dream. Uh, clothes and dreams represent attitudes. And so being naked is about um, not being afraid to be yourself and let people see you as who you really are. And so it's a very encouraging dream. So it means that there's something going around, uh, going on in your life right now that your higher self is saying, this is a time for you to be yourself. Don't try to dress yourself up a particular way. Just be you. Did you say that anything behind you usually represents the past, like, say, uh, running yes. away from... Right, that's really, really interesting. Okay, then, my turn. My dream memory is akin to the most delicate... St- You've got to know, Michael, I try and be poetic here. <laughs> is a kid's most delicate <laughs> strand of spider silk observed on a spring morning. That is to say, once my day is in full swing, that thread is impossible to see again or even to recall that I'd seen it. A recent dream of mine, so maybe a fortnight ago, when you uh, agreed to come on the show, I thought I'd write it down, or at least the highlights. Um, I experienced there were two ginger kittens in a box, a plastic box. There was a shop manager. Um, he was a nice guy, at least I think, what I can remember. It was an un- unfamiliar place, and I didn't ask myself, what am I doing here? Um, I was thinking, will I take them? But he decided to have them. Uh, they were really nice cats. Um, what really could you make of that? Okay, so you're only remembering a snippet of a dream, but that's yeah. fine. Yeah. And, and uh, so 
if you look up my book, <laughs> you'll see in the dictionary, I say cats are about your digestive system. And then if you look up the color orange, now you use the word ginger in the dream. I say that's also about your digestive system because it's the color of the chakra that feeds that part of your body. And so you've two symbols straight away that um, indicate an issue with your digestive system. Now, it's not really indicating a problem. We don't see anything in the dream that shows what, like, here's a big problem, but it still is about your digestive system. And then it connects it to dad because we have a male in the dream who, rather than let you take them, wants them for himself. So there's issues with dad that impact your um, digestive system. And we know that the issues go back to birth because of the box. A box is a, a symbol in a dream indicating birth or the womb, really. Um, but it's, it's too little of a dream, really, to sink your teeth in into. But that's okay, because if, if we were talking and not on the air, I would say, tell me about your relationship with your dad and tell me what your digestive system is like. Um, how are things going? And But a lot of the time, though, it could be about something you ate that didn't agree with you around that time. Um, so some dreams have a sell by date. You know, what they're trying telling you about is no longer relevant in your life, maybe because you worked on yourself or just because, like I said, there's something you did or ate at that time that you don't normally eat uh, and it's never going to come up again. That's interesting, actually. You said that. Very interesting. That I, I, Cats have been, a, I suppose, almost a constant theme in my dream. I remember a kitten. I don't know, maybe two months before that, sitting on my shoulder. They've never, ever been aggressive. Never been aggressive. Um, but is there, is there a way we can, let me think, what would be the benefits of, because I've always thought to myself, if I write every dream that I can remember down over one month uh, and do a basic highlight of every single day, you're not like word for word, because I just have not got enough time, um, and, and compare the two over a month, would there be any value in that? It depends. Uh, you know, there's an awful lot of nonsense written about dreams. So if you're using a dream book that um, is not accurate, then there's no value. It could send you the wrong way. Um, but let's leave dream books aside. If you're looking at your dreams and you see a kitten uh, and the kitten has a problem, but in a later dream, the kitten is, is well and improving and so on and so on. Um, then that would show you that something you're doing in your life is improving whatever the condition, whatever this dream is about. And like I said, the, the box represents childhood, mm -hmm. but so does the fact that it's a kitten because it's, it's still a baby. And, you know, so there's, there's all, all these things in a dream. So you'd say, okay, when I dream of animals, are they always baby animals or do they, um, are they getting older or whatever? And we ideally in our dreams, uh, everybody would be around our own age, you know, because if I dream of a child, it's going to be about an issue I have from childhood or something I'm, I'm neglecting since childhood. It doesn't have to be negative. Um, and uh, the dream is asking us to go back and fetch that. So, uh, for instance, you uh, most likely have the ability to channel because you had two kittens in the dream. And uh, the dream would also be saying uh, you could help yourself with that ability by working on your digestive system uh healing that because the the two energies are connected and healing the issues around dad uh, again I, i'm jumping i'm jumping the gun really with saying issues with dad because the only thing that's negative in the dream is the shopkeeper decided to keep them mm. um and uh you know that's kind of weird uh, he's a guide in a dream normally whatever a guide does is infallible so um but they can often show you the way dad was it wasn't um it wasn't uh 
I didn't get any fear or anger. I think it was almost like two guys debating who should have them. It was almost like a nice thing. I said, well, you know, if you want them, you could have them. There was no uh, snatching away. Um, yeah. It would. Yeah. It was just. <laughs> I suppose every. Yeah. I mean, every dream is uh, it, 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 weird, but is as far as you know, dream symbolism pretty much universal in your experience across the world. You know, totally from, is. Yeah. It is, right. Absolutely. Okay. Um, I, I get dreams from people from all sorts of cultures and uh, every language. Um, and despite the translations and so on, um, there is a universal meaning to particular symbols. Um, they're called archetypes in um, some of the dream books, like Jung calls them archetypes. But you can override the universal meaning of a symbol by having your own personal association uh, with that particular place or even the, an animal or anything like that. So you always have to be careful when analyzing a dream that you know the details about the person so that you can work that in. I mean, if you were to take, um, you know, going to Spain in a dream is often going to be about healing because it's a hot country and it, we usually go there for vacation, relax and so on. But the sun is a symbol for healing in a dream. But if you were in Spain and you got mugged, well, Spain's going to mean something different for you because it's going to bring up this other thing. Right. And so you will then instantly override what Spain would normally mean for everyone else. But the other thing that's really interesting is when I came to America, I joined the dream group and I wanted to see answer exactly that question that you're asking uh is the meaning uh, of dreams and is the way people approach dream interpretation in america the same as the system i understand and so i i got these people who were uh, avid dream interpretation enthusiasts for years and ran them through one of my courses and most of them their symbols were the same as mine but others who had read other books and that they really believed in their symbols had switched to the meanings in those books but after doing my course their their uh, symbolism switched back and so that's interesting and i've seen that several times that that the way my dictionary says this dream means this or this symbol means this is because i've taken it from a real dream where i've worked with the person to to find out exactly what's going on in their life and so I, I will say, okay, this symbol means this, and it can mean maybe three or four different things based on context, and I'll give the context, but all from real dreams. Um, and uh, I also channel a lot. So if I see a symbol and I don't know what it means, I will ask my guides, uh, what is that? What is that about? And so they always will give what it means. They also help me if there's a personal meaning that somebody has, they'll tell me what that one is for them too. Um, but I like that. I like the symbolism. Um, and if I get a symbol that I don't understand, it sticks with me. And then years later, I'll see it in another dream. And I'll be like, oh, that's what that means. That's fantastic. And I'll go back to the old dream and see, does it fit in that context? And it always does. Um, I just find it like fantastic that they work that way. Of course, if you come from uh, d- like very different countries with different cultures, then there could be extra symbols that mean something to you. Uh, like I, I know in Ireland, we have the expression, my stomach is cat. If your stomach's upset, mm-hmm. they don't have that in America, but cats still are about the digestive system and other things and other things. Um, but if your cultural expression, um, is uniquely different or suppressed because you're living in a country 
that is different from your place of origin, then you can dream about that culture or dream about symbols that say, please include your culture uh, as part of who you are. Um, so dreams don't whitewash culture, uh, but the symbolism is the same. So the people you help, are they approaching you um, just for help psychologically? I mean, it, it, uh, up to and including PTSD, maybe. And also, because you mentioned guides, this is a big question. Go wherever you want with it um, on a spiritual level as well. Well, dreams are spiritual. Dreams are a message from your higher self to your soul. And, and in the dream state, we fully understand them. So we don't have a problem that there's a talking elephant in our dream or whatever it is. It's like, that's totally fine because I know what it means. Um, but when we look at them with our logical mind, um, then it's different. And we can learn about ourselves by investigating what that dialogue is. What am I being asked to do? Or what is my soul being asked to do in that dream? And then when I know what it is, I can then take steps in that direction consciously. And so it's easy to tell from somebody's dream whether they're in therapy and if they're in therapy, if it's working, because you will see the symbols that show them being brave or doing what the dream asks them to do. At some point in a therapy, that's how your dreams will switch. Most of the time we're running away, we're avoiding um, or uh, whatever it happens to be, we're spoiling the dream in some way. But when you're in therapy, we hit a point where we just accept the message because we have put ourselves into alignment by the work we're doing uh, into alignment with uh, what we need to do. So have we come to a point in our society, uh, not doom and gloom, um, because unless uh, the dreams give you a, a clear uh, answer, including a text that you can print off, um, really the human animal um, has forgotten to maybe wake up, stay still and try and remember what was I don't know, could I use the word taught to them or spoken to them or shown them? But we just don't do that. We just think, well, I, I don't. I just think, oh, that was weird and carry on with my day. Yeah, um, a lot of us are that way. But we still, like I said, we know what the dream means in the dream state. And so over time, we still accept the message. But not everybody does that. That's our culture. Western culture uh, fits into what you said. But even within Western culture, like all of Einstein said, all of his work was an extrapolation of a dream he had as a kid where he was sledding at the speed of light. Uh, Descartes um, came up with the whole scientific method from a dream. Um, the benzene molecule uh, was unlocked uh, when the dreamer dreamt of a, snail, uh, a snake eating its tail. Um, the sewing machine uh, was invented by a guy dreaming about um, primitive people shaking spears at him and there was holes in the tips of the spears. You know, so even in our own culture, people still do at times in their lives respond to their dreams and they're always majorly pivotal. Do you think we should be waking up and maybe trying to remember and, and write them down? Well, of course I'm going to say yes, because I'm a dream analyst. Um, but really there's no question to it. Uh, but I was the same. I ignored everything about my dreams. I have terrific dream recall that that was always a given, but um, I ignored them for years and I would ridicule anybody who was into dream analysis or tarot reading or channeling or psychic readings, etc. I was the guy who would uh, mock them openly and wouldn't even 
like let them escape to another room. I'd follow them into another room and keep mocking them. But what happened to me was I was going to bed one night and I saw spirits at the end of my bed and I didn't believe in spirits. I didn't believe in the afterlife. I was an atheist at the time. Um, but yet I knew what I was looking at the same way. Uh, I jokingly say, if you saw a dinosaur outside your house for the first time, you'd still know it was a dinosaur, even though you never, never saw one before. True. And I, um, it, it woke me up and made me realize there's more to life. And I, I was on this journey for a few years trying to figure out what it is. I thought at the start, oh, because now I've, I've awakened and I realized I was wrong, that the answers are just going to come flooding to me, but they didn't. Um, it was a really frustrating journey. And it wasn't until I hit dreams, like I said, uh, it was suddenly I realized, oh my God, all this time I've been searching outside myself, I have the answers on the inside. And all I need to know all I need to learn how to do is how to understand the language of dreams. And there I'm thinking it's the key. And maybe the advantage of writing them down. So to um, your most prominent problems or situations that need attention that you're um, cause often we're just too blinded with life. There's just too much going on. And the most important things shown in your most, oh, yeah, that needs to be, um, sorted now shown in your dreams, um, either once or are they repackaged because you didn't get the point and I'm talking you as in the general, us, all of us and shown again. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, They're repackaged over and over. So dreams are going to show us the same issue until we deal with the issue. And that's how you know that a therapy actually finally succeeded. Um, You will stop dreaming about the problem. So we either get, we get dreams for one of three reasons to guide us, to heal us, or to just show us how we are. And that last one is usually because we don't think we're that way. (laughs) We normally think we're, I'm further up the ladder than that. Um, So if we accept the guidance, then the perfect, our dreams will change. But if we don't, then we're going to have another dream. Like if I have a dream that says, okay, this is your issue. You have issues with mom. You need to work on these. If I do nothing about that, then five years from now, 15 years from now, 25 years from now, I'm going to have the same dreams. They may not be the same symbols, but the interpretation will be the same because I haven't done anything to move myself forward. Is there any way that I could not chemically um, induce a specific dream or a dream or an answer for a problem. Um, there's some folklores, you know, pick up books and bits and pieces, you know, write on a bit of paper, look at it, go to sleep. Um, is there, yeah, asking for advice or is that just silly? Yeah. No, it's not silly, no. So our dreams are going to, uh, by default, pick on the most imp- or the weakest aspect of our functioning uh, today. But if you are going to sleep, you can meditate on it or, or do some other tool, like you said, write it on a piece of paper, put it under your pillow, uh, whatever. Um, and say that repeatedly over a number of nights that I'm going to have a dream that, that solves this problem, gives me the solution to this problem. Then it, it will eventually bubble up to being the most important thing that you need an answer to. And you will get a dream about it. Hopefully you're going to remember the dream. So what you would always add to that message that you given yourself is that you're going to have a dream about it and you're going to remember the dream. And um, it's just how the brain works. Um, you were talking about your, your dreams being like a, a thin spider thread mm. and, and they're, they're gone uh, pretty quickly when you wake up. But if you have it written on a piece of paper that you're going to remember the dream, then you have that level of excitement and association in your brain that you're going to have the recall 
And uh, it just works over time. It just works. It doesn't take a lot of man, a lot of time. Three days or so would generally be enough for you then to have a dream about it. But then, will you understand the dream? Hopefully, it'll be in a in a way that you'll understand. Yeah, my, uh, AKA your books, because you go uh, pretty deep uh, into that and finding out people can get a hold of you for um, uh, for your yeah for your interpretation of their dream. Because I I like to think that there are. It's almost like. Um, how is it? It's definitely miraculous, spiritual, in in my opinion, uh, not as in uh, religious. That's just that's not what I'm talking about. The miraculous. I don't think the body. Uh, we can have a curry, and yeah, that would that would do some sort of weird dream. But they're not a. Uh, I don't think believe anything in nature is wasted. There's a um, definitely a reason for them, but it's finding what it means and you're saying look around you look at yourself at this very time because it must be relevant for that night or this week or this month yes absolutely and so a lot of our dreams are going to be telling us what our abilities are our special abilities so i had dreams for a long time that told me i knew how to interpret dreams but i didn't know that because i didn't know how to interpret them um and it's going to be true for everyone everybody has at least one ability and uh, you know, we call some of them spiritual abilities, like if it's an ability to communicate with spirits, then definitely it's a spiritual ability. But so too is counseling, so too is teaching, uh, leading people. There are music. There are a lot of skills that are spiritual um, that we wouldn't necessarily consider spiritual. If it includes expression of who, who you are at the core, at your core, or expression of your soul, then it's a spiritual endeavor for you. Um, and so a lot of things that we would consider just ordinary everyday things are in fact spiritual abilities so nightmares um we have to talk about that is from what you've said before uh behind you is that uh, something you're past you really really do need to face you know like always being chased or i used to quite regularly uh touch wood i haven't had it um there used to be some, as William Shanter would say, some thing um, in this place, whether it could be a house or anything, that's all I could describe. I couldn't see it, but it was absolutely terrifying. This was the essence of terrifying. I haven't had it lately, um, but I've had it all the way through my life. And a lot of people have those terrifying dreams. So is it just either spirit or yourself saying you need to face this? It's, it's your higher self saying you need to face it. And your reaction in the dream uh, and the sense of fear and terror is how reluctant you are to do it. Because you're like, this was terrifying at the time. Mm -hmm. Why would I look at that again? Uh, and that's a very common thing to see in dreams. But then when you work with a therapist, they help you look at it in a way that isn't terrifying. Um, and, you know, the terror that we have that's, you know, as that dream follows, follows us all the way through life is because the issue was from childhood when we didn't have the frame of reference that we have now. And so it would have felt terrifying to us at the time. Um, but it's, it's interesting to note, though, that the interpretation of a nightmare isn't necessarily anything negative. Um, you know, obviously, one where you're being chased uh, may be. But I have one in my book uh, where a person was uh, being a magician at the front of a stage was trying to get the person to rise up into the air and bring her onto the stage. But instead she, she didn't want that to happen. She dug her heels in and wanted to uh, walk her way to the front of the stage to go there. And so that was a nightmare to her, but the dream is about her having a way to easily rise above her problems 
but she doesn't want to use that. Um, instead, she wants to dig her heels in and she fights tooth and nail against the easy way to do things. So nothing negative in the uh, interpretation, um, but it still comes as a nightmare because, um, you know, you're going to remember a nightmare um, and you know, much more easily than you're going to remember a regular dream. Uh, and I think sometimes that's why we get them that way. It is also worth noting my dictionary is totally free on my website. So you don't need to buy the book to try out the dictionary. We will be right back after this message. This is the Slick Podcast News. Our Eye in the Sky reporter. Reporting live. Hi, I'm Morgan. And later this week, I'll be reporting to you live from the Atlantic Ocean floor, bringing you the latest news on the Slick Podcast's attempt at opening the ancient shiny thing that we have all come to know as the Artifact. See you there. I have to ask you, you've, you've answered this in a roundabout way, but it's more of a direct question uh, to a direct subject. So somebody's had terrible trauma. Uh, I have a few friends that are in the military and they do suffer with nightmares. Could you, or uh, with a therapist, which, which you are in a way, could, could you help someone with those nightmares, you know, make them go away? Absolutely. You, oh, that is amazing. Right. Can you just talk us a little bit through that? So uh, there is, uh, if, if anybody has that particular issue, there is an acquaintance of mine. That's exactly what she does. She helps people with those severe traumas uh, work uh, through the nightmares and heal the issues. And it doesn't take many sessions. It's not like um, you're in therapy for uh, a year. It's just a, like a few sessions. Um, uh, and then those dreams stop. Dreams are always trying to get us to look at something that is a problem that holds us back. And if you, like a lot of uh, research was done into people who are, survived the Holocaust and they had the most peaceful dreams during their uh, captivity and while they were enduring the horrors they endured. But once they were freed, their dreams turned to nightmares. And it's, it's like your higher self knows when you're in, environment, in an environment where you can heal an issue. And so when you have this persistence from your dreams that says, look, you got to work on that trauma that you suffered. It's because you really do need to work on that trauma and heal from that trauma. But that's what life is about. Life is about us healing and growing because of trauma. My field where I really help people is I help people heal childhood traumas. Um, they're often much more hidden, but you can see them when you uh, talk to anybody uh, you can see them clearly in their dreams, and then you can help them identify how it impacts their life, uh, what traits they have that are a result of the trauma. And those traits will all disappear. They're always a negative trait, but they'll disappear once you heal the trauma. Um, and people quite often will uh, be astounded at the idea that um, I don't even need to work on healing this trait, but I, if I heal the trauma, I lose it. Um, it's, it seems kind of bananas. But we try our best to protect ourselves 
from enduring uh, the worst trauma of our lives again. We don't want to endure it again. And so we adopt the particular traits that are going to keep it as far from us as possible. At least that's our intention. It doesn't always work, but that's what we want to do. Um, but the best thing, and, and so we, we spend a lot of energy doing that and our dreams show us wasting that energy and show us holding back from life or whatever it is we're doing that's detrimental to our own well-being. And so the dreams are trying to get us to address that so that we can heal it and then embrace life more fully i'm putting a link to your website obviously um in the show notes could i could you send me the link for your friend um yes thank yes. you and i'll put that at the bottom of the show notes as well uh, that's always useful okay let's just cover uh, lucid dreaming as well there's a lot of substances you can get on um uh, amazon the uh, lucid dreaming tea and that sort of thing um do you put any value in those or uh, should we or is it harmful to teach yourself? I don't think I'd be happy, but to teach yourself to interact uh, with your dream, or is that a cheat? Or would you advise advise against it? No, it's okay. It depends on what you want to do with it. Um, <clears throat> so if we can analyze dreams when when we don't interfere interfere with the message. So becoming lucid is where you become aware that you're in a dream, and there's various levels of lucidity. The first level is you're just aware that you're in a dream, but nothing else changes. And you're still afraid of things. You still are um, doing the same things that you would have done. Uh, and the next level is where you lose your fear uh, or you interact and change things because you're aware it's just a dream. That's kind of a good level if you can get to that. Um, and you have a sense of what the dream is about because then you can really embrace the healing and embrace the message of the dream. So I think it is quite good. But what a lot of people do is they go to the next level of lucidity, which is where they decide, hey, I'm in a dream, I'm going to fly. Um, and they, they just completely change the, dream, the dreamscape. Um, that level isn't any good, doesn't do you any good. Uh, it may be fun, but um, because you've changed the dream or gone somewhere else than where the dream uh, was set, then you can't interpret it after that point. I suppose it um, but, a, puts a filter on it as well when you should be... Um when you should be asleep and, and, and listening as it were, uh, you're, you're, you're not, you're, you're trying to control and you're, you're maybe missing the point. Would that be a fair assumption? Maybe. But, but you can, you, you can train yourself to do the right thing in those dreams. So for instance, anybody with a title or who speaks with authority uh, in a dream as a guide, like the shopkeeper in your dream as a guide. Mm -hmm. And they are the only characters in a dream who are infallible. Um, so if you become lucid and you can identify a guide, you can ask them what the dream is about. Like, why am I having this dream? Or you can ask any character in the dream uh, what they represent. Like, what do you represent in this dream? And most of the time they will answer. But if you find a guide, you can ask them about anything and they will answer honestly ab about whatever it is. Um, I had a friend, <clears throat> in fact, I had two friends. Uh, their goal was to become lucid in their dreams and then meet each other. And they were trying to see for years, could they actually meet each other in their own dreams? And then I came across two other people who are doing it as well, and they succeeded. Um, and so once they finally met up with each other in a dream, they're able to do it at will now, which is really astounding to think that you could do that. Um, and it, it really, it raises more questions than, than what it could possibly answer. Um, but in the beginning, they, they realized that they had dreams where they were in the same part of a town. Uh, and like right before they did it successfully, one was saying to the other, I dreamt I was in on Dame Street 
And I was looking out a taxi window and the other guy was like, I was on Dame Street as well. And I was in a taxi and there was someone else in the taxi, but I didn't look that direction. I was looking out a window and they were looking out different windows. And that gave them the uh, uh, encouragement. And, and the very next dream, then they met up and now they can do it anytime they want. Um, it's also another thing that's interesting is if you have where this happens spontaneously, where people find themselves in the same dream is if you have a loved one who's really sick um, and maybe ready to, to cross over um, people in that situation quite often find that mom has a dream and the daughter has the exact same dream. Uh, they're both in the dream doing the same thing. Um, so it is intriguing. That, that, that seems to that. me, that seems to me, um, the effect of quantum entanglement. I mean, scientists talk about quantum entanglement. They, the, I, I believe my understanding is the effect. They don't know how or why it happens. But to me, on some spiritual dream plane level, that is quantum entanglement. They are not connected physically. Um, it cannot be anything else. If they're both lucid and they're both saying, yeah, I saw you, you saw me. It, it really does well, open a Pandora's box, does it not? It does. Lucid is one thing where you, you're aware that you're in a dream, but these other ones are where people just have the same dream, but not even aware that they're in a dream. It's just when they tell their dream to their significant other in their household and realize, wow, we had the exact same dream. And that's because um, I, I'm sure it's because their concern for the same person has them doing the same things. When we sleep at night, we often leave our our body telepathically leave our body and go to the astral plane and we talk with loved ones who are alive or who have passed whatever most of us don't have those memories memories of those encounters uh, but some do you can tell them from dreams because there's dialogue in the dreams basically but um so i, I think they they have the same uh, concern the same issues same conversations and then they end up having the same dream when they get back into the bodies and have the dreams uh, because of that connection that shared connection for the issue so let me ask you um when a shaman and i don't mean somebody who's sent off for a book course and like reads it four times and tells everybody they're a shaman because i have a very dim view of that i mean a shaman is somebody who's been right. really tra trained from a young child but a sh proper shaman what a shaman would uh travel to the the realms of dreamland let's say are they going to the same plane as maybe you and i when we go to sleep and or are they going to a different place albeit lucidly and for a reason they're going but is that the same plane or a different place altogether do you think in your opinion uh, they they can go to the same plane but they can also go a lot further um because of the training they have and i understand what you're saying about uh, shamans it's um it used to be that it was somebody who survived a near-death experience, so, so should have died but didn't. They would be then selected by the existing shaman to be trained because they've torn the veil between both worlds. And, and um, because of that tearing of the veil, they can be trained in particular modalities that can only be taught to somebody who that has happened to. Um, and that's not what's done anymore. People are basically just, uh, they do courses. They're very in-depth, and you can still learn a lot of things. Uh, on these and people do end up with lots and lots of skills um, but discipline is one of the things I think that's uh, that's super super important if you are going to learn that level of interaction with the spirit world because you can do damage and you can hurt yourself and other people uh, with it as well not that I know people who do that but you just you have to be careful there's a reason that we 
we give up our power before coming here. It's uh, so that we don't go backwards in our life journey rather than forwards. We come here to heal, basically. We come here to move closer into the light. And the things in our life, the traumas, the issues, uh, they give us a focal point to show us that, you know, um, it reflects to us. Like if, if there's, if we look around, like if our, our natural state of being is one of absolute reverence, um, that's our natural state of being. But many people on this planet hold that state. I don't. Um, and uh, I'd say there's very few people who do. But when you look around in your life and look at the people in your life, whatever you feel, if somebody brings up disgust in you or anger or hatred or whatever it is, that's only because that feeling is already there within you. And your life is here, is designed to help you purge that feeling by working on yourself and growing and getting closer into the light. And we leave our power behind on purpose because it's going to be easier to work on ourselves when we do it. I've kind of digressed there from your question. Apologies there. No, no, actually, I'm really glad you did because it's a really good opener. Um, so whatever, I, I've said this before, whatever um, looks out behind these eyes of mine, I've no idea. Uh, my parents called me Simon. Uh, I run the Simon Laurie King podcast, which is handy because that's my name. Uh, so when you're saying like, well, we come into our bodies, this and the other. So um, the dream world, the dreamscape, do you think that is a glimpse of from wherever uh, this thing that I call myself came from? Or was it just something that it tapped into almost like a almost like a broadband network no i i don't think so it, it, it's it's not where you come from um parts of it reflected of course like we can change things in a dream at the speed of thought you know our thoughts create our reality and and they do so in a dream like when you see a really negative character in a dream or you have a nightmare those dreams won't have started out to be a nightmare your higher self won't say hey let's give Simon, a nightmare. Um, but it becomes a nightmare because of the subject matter and you don't like the subject matter. And so a character that's meant to be healing and positive becomes somebody that you're running away from uh, in the dream. And um, so it has that in common. But um, we have, it's just a language. If you're clairvoyant, the meaning of the symbols that you get with clairvoyance is the same as uh, as the dream language. But if you learn to channel, your your uh, guides or angels may talk to you uh, using a whole host of different ways through feeling, through vision, through images, uh, through hearing, through thoughts impressed on your mind, through um, just knowing things. There's there's about eleven strong ways that people channel, and so uh, I think they would be more they would be closer to the actual communicative state uh, that we have. It's kind of like um, our whole being uh, connected rather than symbolic interpretations uh, like the dream state, like the world around us is an illusion that we live in in order to help us wake up. And our dreams are other illusions that are also designed to help us wake up. And when I channeled and asked like, why do dreams come the way they come? Um, the answer I got was to, it, if we anchored anything to anything, if you're always given the same symbol for something, then you would start to believe in that uh, symbol. You would believe that that's who you are. And so they said they use symbolism that keeps changing in order to get across the message that none of this is the real, the real world. It's all about, it's all tools to help you 
look inward and try to figure out who you are. It, it seems to me that the, the, the dreams that I have or the dreams that I've heard other people have are not sympathetic at all to the ego. In fact, they're counterproductive and have almost the key to unlock the ego, throw it into little pieces and get to the heart of the matter. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, we do need some element of ego, you know, to, to, get, to want to get up in the morning and do something or have ambition in, in certain areas in our lives. But if yeah. it holds you back um, because of mistaken beliefs about yourself, then your dreams are going to certainly rattle that cage. Oh, and we, say we, this we all is- have ego. I mean, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, <laughs> I've got my own podcast. You know, um, we've all got ego. But what I meant was it is, it's almost like the gloves are off. It can get past any, uh, anything um, to get that message oh, yeah, through. Yeah. You know, it, it really you. doesn't care. Uh, no matter how strapping tough people are. Yeah, they're are. brutally honest. They're, they're brutally brutal, honest. They just yep. tell you how it is. Yeah, the so punches about, aren't held. <laughs> no, not at all. No. So what about um, other people in dreams where I've, I've seen, I've seen their faces. I have no idea who they are, um, but they're, they're, they're young, they're fit or they're old. They never look sickly. Uh, would it be somebody that maybe I've seen um, maybe on a poster or in a book I've read or uh, on the internet? Because they seem really real. And there's almost a sense of loss when I wake up. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's a good question. And that's a very common experience for a lot of people. Um, but everybody in a dream is you. There's four rules of interpretation. The first one is the most important, that everything in a dream is you. So every person, place, thing, animal, etc., they all represent some aspect of you. So the people you don't know in your dream represent aspects of you that you have lost connection with. And the point of the dream is to highlight that you've lost connection and also other parts of the dream will contextually tell you what you need to do to restore that connection. So, but would it be possible that um, it's some sort of, some sort of glimpse of the future? And I'm not talking lottery numbers. I have a friend of mine. She, I'm hoping to get on the, on the show. She reads tarot cards. She's clairvoyant. I've had uh, a, a professional dowser, uh, and uh, I've asked a professional dowser, and I've asked my friend, you know, things like lottery numbers, and, and they both tell me, no, no, that's that's not the way it works. That you know, you'll fall on your ass if you start asking stuff like that. But um, is that the same sort of thing for dreams? Um, are these people? Could it be like something maybe a, a person I'm going to meet in the future? How would I tell if it's actually me looking at myself or some aspect like you say, or maybe somebody I'm going to see in the future? Yeah, so so that does happen. Uh, it's not as common, but people do dream uh, of their child as an adult before they ever have a child. They do dream of their partner or a very significant person in their lives before they meet them. Um, but like I said, not that common. Most of it, it is about aspects of you that you need to work on. Um, so how do you know that it's about something in your future? Well, it's easy. In a dream, I said anything behind you is your past, anything in front of you is in your future. So if you're driving and you go around the corner or you're walking and you go around the corner um, and you encounter somebody, then that says this is somebody you're going to meet in your future. Or And it, again, it may be an aspect of you that you're going to have to deal with, uh, but it's it could be a positive one. So it isn't necessarily you have to deal with it. Uh, it could be a gift you have. It could be your own ability to uh, be clairvoyant, for instance, that it's um, it's in your future. And you, again, you can tell if that's true because 
the the path of the dream brings you to where you meet a clairvoyant. So you could dream about meeting a clairvoyant. They're not at the start of the dream, but you go on a journey and then encounter them. So this is something that's going to be in your future. And, and the dream is firmly anchoring it there. Um, but yeah, like I said, seeing it ahead of you is the best way to know it's something in your future. Let's talk a little bit of uh, dream symbolism, if you don't mind. First, the ones that... Uh... The classic I, I used to have, thankfully I haven't, um, jumping down the stairs and, and, and at that point thinking, what the hell have I just done? You know, falling from height and, you, you know, your stomach turns upside down. What would something like that would mean? So in those dreams, do you end up flying or do you like lightly bounce on the ground? I, I, I wake up before I hit the ground. <laughs> All right, okay. You know, I've so, had sand dunes and the, the, it's but always the sand dune or the stairs. I mean, it hasn't happened for years, but... It's uh, what the hell was I thinking? Then I suddenly jolt awake, thank goodness. So there's two things it can be about. Uh, the first is birth, moving from a high location to a low location or high vibration to a dense physical location is what we do when we come into the physical body. And so move, walking down the stairs, jumping down the stairs, uh, jumping off a building, etc., can all indicate your birth. And then if your first feeling is, what the hell did I just do? Then it's like you got here and, and that was your reaction. Why did I come here? That was a bad idea. It is well, a bad it, idea. It was, it, it, was all, it was the shortest line at the time. I could have gone somewhere else, but this was the shortest queue, so I joined the queue for Earth. It is. I mean, the Earth plane is, is really a shortcut back to raising our, uh, our vibration and our awareness of who we are. But the other thing, uh, and I, I don't think that's what your dream is about. It was what I just said. The other thing about falling in a dream is very common. And that's about moving back into your body from the astral plane. Um, and it's, it's such a common one. And I always hate it if I'm on a radio station or the TV and people ask it because it sounds so baddy uh, because you're trying to be uh, grounded and say, this dream is about this aspect of your life. And this dream is about this other aspect. And it's about you working on yourself, healing yourself, and then suddenly you're talking about moving from the astral plane back into your body. Mm-hmm. And that's what this sense of falling is about. Um, but because you wake up afterwards, a lot of people just wake up afterwards. Um, you know, it, it does indicate that's what it's about. People also have this sense that, you know, if I die in a dream, um, it's really bad. I could die in reality. But what they don't realize is that as children, uh, you would have had dreams where you died over and over and over again. Children have horrific dreams compared to adults mm-hmm. and they get killed and mutilated and all sorts of things multiple times every night. I mean, I do, I do have the, when you were saying about coming back into the body, um, quite regularly, I'll suddenly, it's almost like I'm thrown on the bed because I haven't taken a run up. As far as I'm concerned, I'm laying there, but literally every muscle flexes and it's like being thrown onto the mattress. Yeah. It wakes me up. Is, is that the same sort of thing coming back into the body? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so then the beautiful thing to try do is to learn how to get out of your body and keep your consciousness, you know, as you get out and you can learn how to do that. It's, it's something I've never done it, but again, I have friends who've done it and, uh, there's a guy called Robert Monroe. He's written lots of books about how to journey out of your body. And there's the Robert Monroe Institute, Institute. He's passed now. And I always thought if you could do that one, if you could do something where you stepped out of your body, walked to the kitchen and back, then you could prove to yourself your consciousness or you is not really uh, contained within your body. And it would be such a cool thing. Well, um, I, I, I was talking but, to 
Dr. Piero Calvi Parasetti, and he was, uh, well, he's a doctor. I mean, once you're a doctor, you're not just, you know, you never stop being a doctor until obviously you pass away. But um, it, the, the question, uh, well, his statement didn't come up in my interview, but in a previous interview, he'd said, um, this is, he, he uh, investigates NDE, near-death experience, and that sort of thing, and life after life after life. And one of the things that he said was, this person was in uh, hospital in a really bad way. And uh, as far as she's concerned, she floated up through the floors and out through a window. And there was like, let's just say a red tennis shoe on the windowsill. L- luckily, she came back and she survived. And she said to this nurse, I think a week later, the nurse actually went up there at Curiosity. And lo and behold, there was a red tennis shoe there. So I'm all about the spirit being able to leave the body, whether involuntarily or trying to train yourself. But I think that, That'd be a little bit nerve wracking for me. I do it involuntary. I'm not sure if I have the, the guts to teach myself. <laughs> well, to, to do it voluntarily, like that's, that's one thing because you're going to be guided through the process. Whereas uh, she was doing it involuntarily. And so mm-hmm. the near death experience is quite a different experience. And people who have near death experiences uh, end up um, finding it very difficult to reassimilate into physical life. Because they have an experience that nobody else has a frame of reference to. Um, it, they very much are changed after the event. Um, and there also is like a common set of issues they have. Uh, like s- some people have big issues with sound. Others can't stand bright light and so on. So th- th- there's a list of things that affect them from that point forward. But one of the commonalities is they're absolutely certain about the uh, afterlife. There's mm-hmm. no question about it anymore. Most of them have no fear whatsoever of dying because they've already been to that plane and they know um, they know it's real. Now, this person who simply floated up and back in may not have gone that far, but those near-death experiences are uh, are absolutely intriguing. And because there's such a commonality in them, it's, it's even more so intriguing. I used to read a lot of uh, books about those and books by people who had those experiences. Um, but I, my interest is because I had a near-death experience myself, but I was so young, I don't remember uh, the experience, but I think it's definitely responsible for some of the abilities I have. Just before we um, uh, get to the last couple of questions, um, I've often thought, well, People have said that time, I mean, who am I to argue, but time is the fourth dimension or fifth, but fourth or fifth dimension. But I, I, I usually think that maybe it's death or now talking to you, maybe the the dream reality or dream. Uh, what's the word? The dream, the, the zone, the universe, even. Uh, what would you say to that? But it, it, it right. must be a right. real thing. It must be a real thing because everybody visits there. Um, well, the astral plane is definitely real and you can, you can learn, anybody can learn how to, um, channel. I mean, some of us come in with the ability and we're meant to do it, but mm-hmm. we all have at least one ability. Everybody, mm-hmm. most people have more than one ability and you can always teach yourself those or get taught how to enhance those abilities. For a lot of people, they spontaneously kick in. Um, so there are a lot of things you can do that, to prove to yourself that there is more than the physical world. Um, but a lot of us in the West, we don't do that because we're too busy, as you said earlier, too busy living life and um, trying to get through the struggles of it. Um, but that's just the culture we're in. 
I think that's going to change a lot. It's one thing that I've definitely noticed because I've been doing this for over 30 years. I, um, I show people on my in-person courses how to see the aura and then how to see spirits. And I didn't used to do that for a long time, but I would be talking to people about guides and how guides influence their dreams and so on. And um, people will be saying, I'd love to believe you, but I don't know if I can. And I'm looking at them and I'm looking at their guides behind them because I could see them. And I thought, what if I could show them how to see these guides? And it worked. I couldn't believe it. It worked. Um, And so in a room of 20 people, about 17 or 18 could see it. But now when I do it, everybody sees them. And so it's become easier for sure uh, for people to um, to do what we would call spiritual things. Um, so the energy of the earth has increased and made things a lot easier. It used to be you had to spend a lifetime in a monastery to try um, train yourself to do something. Now you can literally do a weekend course and learn something pretty profound, um, which is amazing, the fact that it is that way. So I think ultimately we're heading to a future where everybody's very aware of it, or at least enough people are aware of it that it becomes, there is a paradigm shift in understanding of it. And I don't mean a religious understanding. I mean, an actual understanding of the spirit world uh, and how it shapes our lives uh, without religion interpreting it for us. How do you, what do you put this down to? Is it an evolution of the mind or is it? No, I think it's a planned uh, phase. Um, uh, no, it's a, it's a planned it's a planned uh, phase by the spirit world. We've gone through uh, six uh, masculine energy ages, um, according to astrology. We're now moving into the first uh, f- uh, female energy age in like twelve thousand years, and they're using that uh, to um, that and the fact that there's a lot of spirits, really high level spirits on the planet, uh, all working to help raise the vibration of the planet so that um, we become, everybody becomes aware of it. So I think, not I think, because this is what, what my guides say is definitely what's happening. The world is going to change dramatically and people are going to be very aware uh, of the fact that there is a spirit world and it's real and that that's where they really come from and that they're here for a purpose to learn something and improve and grow and get closer into the light. And it's, it's funny if you say to somebody like your purpose on the earth plane is to heal from trauma and move into the light. That sounds great. But if you say your purpose is to eliminate darkness, people are a bit kind of spooked by that. Like, what do you mean by that? Um, but, but that's really what it's about. There's things that we do habitually in the spirit world that hold us back almost like an addiction. You could say that, um, that we're here to purge and escape and, um, once we've done that, then our vibration increases and uh, it's going to be easier, I think, going forward, much easier to do that because you won't have the I need to have faith element uh, that is kind of required today at the start of any of these journeys. Uh, in the future, it'll be pretty obvious. And so even if you can't um, do these things, can't see spirits, whatever, if three of your best friends can and it's common, then you'd be like, okay, I know it's real because uh, I know these people. Well, on a personal level, I don't think I can see spirits. I mean, I've had a, uh, a crow as a friend and uh, badgers, but um, as far as something in the ether, I, I've never actually seen it. However, however, I do uh, believe is the wrong word. I do know, I suppose, 
uh, there is something or some things at my shoulder. Um, not in a weird way, I think there's something there. Um, just things that have happened in life that I absolutely could not have got out of or things that I know um, that I couldn't have possibly known. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I always acknowledge every single day um, the spirit to walk me and guide me. That's the terminology I use. Uh, if, I, if I was to be able to talk to them, I don't know. I think I'll be too humble because <laughs> they would see right through me as they can, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But the thing is, they have, they have no judgment. So your guides have no judgment. They're, they're here to help. They know what you're going through and they know the particular challenges that you have given yourself this lifetime. They know everything about it. They also have access to your previous lifetime. So they, they know you at a level that uh, no other being would know you. And given all that knowledge, they're going to help you achieve your goals, uh, whether you're aware that they're there helping you or not. Um, and so if you can get to the point where you can communicate with them or even just have a level, a sense about them being there and use that to know when you're on the right track or not. I mean, that's fantastic. Um, yeah, it's cool. But I can't, I can't tell you where or when they are from or even whom they may be, but I know they're there. So um, could you give us a brief guide to the warning symbols? Give us a couple of warning symbols or even four warning symbols that maybe we should be looking out for in our dreams. Well, you know what, what I find interesting is a lot of people are interested in what their gifts are. Um, like tell me something fantastic about myself. Very few people are interested in uh, what do I need to avoid? Um, and your dreams are littered with those things. Um, the health section on my website, I have thousands of pages on my website, all free. And the health pages only account for 4% of what people look at uh, on the website, like 4% of the hits, which is appallingly bad because it's easily 20% or more of what's on my website. People are only interested in health issues when they get one. And uh, statistics don't work with people either. Like 51% of us will die of heart-related illness. And yet most people do not care about their heart. They're not concerned about a heart attack or a stroke or any other heart-related illness that'll take them off the planet. But if you said to somebody, um, you know, you better watch that, it can give you cancer, people panic. And yet that is that kills so few of us compared to heart attacks or heart, heart illness. But what are the symbols? So your dreams do show those things. You know, they always say somebody died of a sudden heart attack. There is no such thing because your dreams will be warning you about that heart attack for years in advance, years and years in advance in order to give you plenty of time to do something to, to make sure you don't have that heart attack or that stroke or whatever it happens to be. And so some of the symbols, um, it's going to be kind of a morbid section of this interview, but uh, a roof on fire in a house would be a symbol for stroke because any symbol of fire is a symbol about, uh, represents the heart and emotions. When I say heart, it's primarily emotional first, expressing your emotions. Um, uh, but when damage is done to something like fire consumes the roof of a house, then it's it's talking about that uh, neglected emotional issue then causing physical damage to your body. So if you see physical damage to something in a dream, that's a very bad symbol. doesn't matter where it is. So if you see the fireplaces cracked in a dream, that's also about the heart. If you see the chimney, that's also about the heart. Uh, if you see a toilet bowl, that's about your elimination system because that's what the toilet bowls are for, right? It's also a pun on bell. But if the toilet bowl is cracked or damaged, 
then it's saying, hey, you need to do something to watch out so that you don't end up with a physical problem here. Um, the ones that you never want to have are dreams of rats and mice and rust, worms, um, crows, etc., um, because they symbolize cancer. And again, don't panic when you have these dreams. Everybody has them from time to time. Everybody develops a cancer cell from time to time, but a healthy body spots it and uh, deals with it. And so you're going to have them. It's if you have those dreams night after night after night after night, and they just don't go away, then that's the time to do something about it. A lot of the time we have them, our dreams are saying, here's something you need to do. You're not aware that you're heading towards this condition because of what you're eating, what you're doing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Whatever it is, your dreams are going to show what it is. And then they're going to show what you need to do to alleviate or avoid the problem altogether. So um, so that's that's pretty good that way. And other things are, it's interesting if I'm doing a class and somebody gives me a dream, for instance, where oil is leaking from a car, I can confidently say that that dreamer is anemic. And it's always interesting then because it blows the mind of everybody else who's on the course. And then they believe everything else I say, regardless of what it is. Um, so I look for the physical health system issues and point them out because a person can verify it. Whereas if I was to say to you, hey, Simon, you're a channel, you, you could be like, well, I don't know if that's true. And nobody, nobody uh, has an increased confidence in my interpretation because of it. But if I can point out issues that are concrete and real, then people are like, okay, this is amazing. There's something to this. So I do focus on health issues with people because you do want to avoid them. Obviously, if you want to achieve your life purpose, you want to part of being healthy is part of that, staying healthy long enough to do it. Um, so uh, did I give you enough symbols? Absolutely. Yeah, I think that's where the value is really about um, health. Uh, I should think mental health as well, but certainly physical health, that's where the value is. I mean, if we're just looking for, yes, you're going to be rich. Yes, you're going to marry someone and it's great. You know, really, it's a case of gloves off. You need to face this particular problem. That to me is where the value of certainly a big chunk of dream interpretation would be. Yeah, absolutely. And and of course, uh, I'm not a doctor, uh, so I can't really diagnose and say, but I will send people, I will say, based on your dream, if that was my dream, I would go to a doctor. And so people, and I'll say, here's what the issue is, here's where it is, but go get a checkup. And people then have gone and gotten the cancer dealt with um, because it's shown up in their dreams. Um, and so for some people, I show them what the symbols are and how to tell what area of the body it's about. And they watch for dreams about that. And they go back for checkups and back for treatments um, multiple times, like with 10 years of a gap uh, and get treated again because they can see it coming back. Uh, and then the ultimate, which is what dreams are really trying to show is here's where it's come comes from. This is the source of this physical condition deal with these issues and you won't get the physical condition. And so ultimately people will uh, eventually do that and then never have, have those dreams again. And that's the point of the dream. Mm -hmm. oh, we, we, uh, we have only probably not even scratched the surface of this subject, uh, but that's us nearly the end of our time together, Michael. And I'm very grateful for that time you've given us today and ask that you maybe consider coming back onto the show sometime in the future. But before we wrap up, please, uh, could you tell us where we can find your books and obviously name your books, radio show and podcast and ways we can connect with you? 
Absolutely. Um, and I'd love to come back. I like your pointed shoot from the hip questions. Thank you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, dream-analysis.com is uh, my website. And um, if you go there, you can find my podcast, my archives. You can send dreams to my radio show. Um, and I, I do those for free, obviously, if I pick a dream f- that you send in for the show. Um, I also have my dictionary there. You can download my dictionary. It's totally free. It's got thousands of symbols in it. And you can have a go at interpreting your own dreams. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's all there, plus lots and lots of pages to, to browse and, and enjoy. Um, I do lots of courses all the time, of course. And every so often I do, we, we do webinars that are free and we do very inexpensive courses, uh, that people love. I have one course, probably my most popular, um, where we guarantee that everybody who does the course is going to know what their spiritual gifts are and what their purpose in life is at the end of the course. And we only charge $97. So I don't know what that is, 70 pounds. Um, now we, we only do it occasionally. It's not on now. So I'm not even plugging it, but it's it's a really cool thing to get from your dreams. And I don't think you really see that in many places um, to know what your life purpose is or what your gifts are. I think life purpose is overused, an overused term these days. But to know what your spiritual gifts are, what it is you're meant to be developing and using, because we bring those here in order to use them to help other people and repay our karmic debts. And you definitely want to repay your karmic debts. And your podcast you've got a regular podcast and a radio show i do so i actually have my own radio show on kknw in seattle um and it's at one o'clock on mondays and i've been i've had that show for about eight years now and i turn the show into a podcast afterwards um so even if you can't listen to the show you can always um listen to the podcast i get another person splits it up into little clips and so you can look up dreams about particular things from those clips uh, and just see segments of the show but obviously i love dreams um and people sending dreams to my show is the lifeblood of the show so if you're listening to this uh and you're feel encouraged uh do send a dream in and let me know that you uh, heard me on simon's uh podcast and i will definitely pick a few people from from this podcast and interpret dreams that's very kind of you michael sheridan thank you thanks simon before i start this outro i need to explain why i haven't produced any episodes for the last last month or so unfortunately death came calling to our family yet again and my wife jet lost her father barely two and a half months after she'd lost her mother I needed to focus upon and give everything of myself to my best friend in her time of most desperate need. To say that she has had the emotional shit kicked out of her is an understatement. My wife is an amazingly strong and her fortitude and ability to face tragedy yet again with such dignity is truly humbling. Her father Mario was a good man and a loving father of four daughters. We will all miss him terribly. So I dedicate this episode to you, Mario, and raise a glass to the many good memories that you left us with. Upon listening to this episode, I found out that the sound quality is really poor my end. And for that, I apologise. I'm putting it down to my lack of pre-show checks and rust. I will do my best to be more attentive in the future, but 
Michael's sound was far better and after all it is all about my guest. I'd like to thank Michael Sheridan for the time he gave us today and I really enjoyed the subject matter. We couldn't possibly cover all this topic of dreams, everything that encompasses, but I did give it a good go. Remember, if you have a dream that you'd like analysed, you can contact uh, Michael directly at mpsheridan at gmail.com or go onto his website, dreamanalysis.com, linked below in the show notes. Now, there are unique symbolisms in dreams. I am convinced through my own experience that they are specific to me, but also there are a lot that are universal and shared by many. Uh, If you want to look up for yourself a particular symbol uh, and the dream meaning, uh, then Michael's Dream Dictionary should definitely be checked out uh, and it's completely free to download off his website. Again, my apologies for the sound quality of today's show, but also my thanks to you, my dear listeners, for your patience and also attending this cast and I hope you have enjoyed it as much as I have. Feel free to like and subscribe and share the show or you can send the show an email at the SLK, SLK, pay, the SLK podcast at gmail.com or leave a comment below either way please keep them kind you can also find and follow the show on Twitter Facebook YouTube and all the usual podcast platforms and so my friends it's time for me to go and until next time stay safe be happy and certainly not afraid bye Slick Podcast Keeping it real And always Keeping it Groovy